two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not led to. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song. But hey, we gave it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. They are divided For equal, sequel, hate and love they fight it I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive big thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song It is December 6, 2021 My name is Zach Weber and I am joined by arguably one of the most connected collectors of the Star Wars fandom, Chris Porteous. It might not be immediately obvious exactly what that reference is alluding to, <laughs> but uh, depending on release order, it might become more clear soon. <laughs> okay. Talk about taking the hype out of the balloon. And we have Joe Yazo, who is talking about something that he will never spend money on. Joe, what is up? Nothing. I look forward to talking about something I will never spend money on. <laughs> yes, folks, we are back at it again to talk about, oh, God, the, the latest Star Wars punching bag, but certainly not the least. The Star Wars galaxy of adventure, colon, Star Wars house in, I don't even know how it's pronounced, hotel slash $6,000 experience for 36 hours of fun. And I can't put enough quotation marks around that word, so I won't even try. Um, for those who don't know at home, recently in the last week or so on the official like Star Wars Disney Parks blog, they did this like two minute long video hyping up the Star Wars Hotel, which debuts or opens up sometime in March of next year. And this video became like, oh God, like a PR disaster for the parks and Lucasfilm because everyone just kept just punching down on it. And it was, it got so bad that they essentially took the video offline and it, they did everything in their power to kind of scrub its existence off like all these like, oh God, like theme park blogs and stuff of that sort. But the damage had been done. And after like kind of this small hullabaloo, I couldn't help but just kind of marvel in the fact that like we're now what? almost 10 years from the lucas sale and disney still keeps just fumbling star wars um at least on the marketing pr level and i cannot figure out how they just cannot sell star wars that's the part of this i find the most fascinating regardless of the six thousand dollar hotel but um i don't want to jump too far ahead of my thoughts so chris what did you think of this whole debacle well, I, I, got, I was a little confused because when you, when I heard earlier that the video was taken down, I thought the video that was taken down was the lightsaber training thing. So that's really funny to me. So this the, the crazy thing about this promo video is like they're described as an early look. You have like what's his face from the Goldbergs, like acting like an 11 year old and uh, just like he's just this cartoonishly wide eyed, like hanging off every word this uh, Imagineer is telling him. And essentially they walk through some hallways and uh, you see a cantina that doesn't, that looks, I would say 
a fifth as good as the one in Galaxy's Edge, which is very strange that uh, that this one costs you six grand to go into, but uh, it's not as good as the one in Galaxy's Edge. And you get a uh, karaoke performance that of a song that is sounds like something out of The Little Mermaid, not something you'd experience in Star Wars. And that's the the peak of this video. So it absolutely should have been laughed off the Internet because if you're trying to sell a immersive Star Wars experience, you might want to try including one or two things that are powerful Star Wars iconography in it that might make people who are Star Wars fans want to go. You know, if you're going to advertise live performances as part of the matter, you realize that for a couple hundred bucks, you could see, you know, the greatest bands in the world. So I'm not that interested in spending six grand to see a strange Disney karaoke performance. Show me something that actually looks engaging and fun. Joe, what's your take on all this? Well, you have to applaud Disney with this because they actually gave you the true experience of actually spending six grand to go to that hotel because that's the amount of time, two minutes, that you'll actually spend in it. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, uh, but. but it's true. You know, you get this like... Uh, half-baked performance from the fifth element towards the end of the video <laughs> far too much credit but continue yeah but it, it was like a poor high school equivalency performance of the fifth element but i'll tell you it was it made me not want to spend my money even more so <laughs> because that was that was that was that was the uh that was the big thing for me. I was like, you know, I said I was never going to go there. And this actually just proves the fact that I will never go there. Oh God, this, this thing. Like, okay. This video is nothing short of like fascinating on every level. Like a part of me wants to call this a work of art. Um, and for the record, we'll link to this in the show notes. Somebody uh, copied it and put it on YouTube. So it's, it's there for now. Um, Disney doesn't seem to be policing the copies, but Everything about this video, like in, oh God, what is it? A hundred in, oh God, what? 60 seconds long? Like it's by no means a lengthy piece of marketing. And yet everything about it is A, baffling and B, captivating. Like I was mesmerized by this because it doesn't focus on anything. Like it's, it's like, oh God, they're calling it a trailer. But which I think is weird for a hotel to have what we you what you usually consider a part of like media uh, uh, marketing. But you look at this trailer and kind of like what Chris says is that like it's so hyper focused, yet it it doesn't do anything to make you want to sign up for this. Like pretty much the only focal point. There's two focal points of the trailer. The first one is oh, you get to stand on the faux bridge of this the, the oh god the uh, starship enterprise and then you get to see a weird like cabaret performance that feels like something out of the holiday special it's like but you you i can't help but wonder like have you guys even seen what the bridges look like in the sequel trilogy like can i get a like episode seven like rebel cruiser style bridge at least like something that kind of looks like a bridge from a star wars film is that a tall ask 
But this is the thing, though, is that, like, once again, Disney doing its thing where, not Disney, but just, I don't know, Disney Lucasfilm, I use those still interchangeably, is that, like, this ship, which is, oh, God, I, I got to figure out the exact pronunciation of this thing because it's going to drive me crazy because they say it in the video. Halcyon? How, is that how it's done? Yeah, Halcyon. Halcyon? Yeah. Um, is that apparently, that, that, the, again, this is all this uh, retroactive lore, is that this ship has been around since, like, the prequel era because i know there's like a, like an anakin padme comic book that's coming out in the next few months and it was present for like prequel level stuff all right well i mean if you're yeah that if you're trying to sort like i don't know what their what their design template would be i don't i don't think it's directly Actually, referencing anything that pre-existed a, a, oh no, no it's not referencing anything pre-existed but like apparently it was commissioned during the high republic era Everybody's favorite book series. You know, if I were to to decide a a, a, a sub uh, media property of Star Wars to base this gigantic hotel on, that would definitely be the one. But that's this is the thing I I, I cannot figure out about this is that nothing about this. Like I said, they're not calling it a hotel; they're calling it an experience which is fine. Like Joe said, you're not going to sleep there for a grand total of like six hours one night, but it doesn't feel like star Wars at all. Like it feels like the holiday special. Like, and I don't mean that like, as in, in like in the sense of like, most people will interpret that line. It's like, Oh, it's meant to be derogatory. It feels like star Wars being recreated by people who have no idea what star Wars is. Like, it, it feels like Star Wars, like, in name only. Like, it feels like the, oh, God, it's like, it reminds me of, like, if you go to, like, Walmart and you see, like, the Hallmark ornaments, quote, unquote, it's like, oh, it's those weird ones that they get, like, at Walmart and Walgreens, but not, like, the really nice ones you'll get from, like, a store in the mall. It's like, yeah, like, it's a, it's an ornament. It's a Hallmark ornament, but not really. It feels like, oh, God, like, almost the same price, but, like, a fraction of the quality. Like there's this weird sort of just like, I don't want to even say hollow. It's just, it feels like a misrepresentation of what it's trying to convey itself as, or am I reading this wrong? Well, you're, you're, they, they're really emphasizing that it's an experience to think of it as an experience and not think of it as a hotel, but thinking of it as a expensive hotel is the only way to get even remotely close to the value proposition they're offering here for the cost for what we're looking at. Like, like, there's this there's this this phenomenon where within very pricey hotels the mere fact that you're staying there overnight entitles them to charge you thousands of dollars this experience is clearly way less interesting than simply going to galaxy's edge but costs a multiple times as much it really makes no sense as a interactive experience it, it they, they should have stuff that's just they i guess they can't have stuff that's just as good as they have in the park because a hundred people at a time have access to it so they can't invest that much i guess but that's but this is the thing though is that like it doesn't take much to get people excited about disney like like okay this is my own little anecdote is that this was a couple of days at my work like i was talking to a co-worker and she was telling us that like how like she has a friend that's very wealthy and I guess she's getting married. So she's getting, I don't know where she's getting married, but like for a bridesmaid's like getaway thing, they're going to the 
Animal Kingdom Resort, the one that like overlooks like part of the, the quote Savannah of Animal Kingdom. And some like ridiculous amount of money. Like she was telling me like it's some ridiculous amount of money per night, but she's not footing the bill. The friend is. And like, I'm like, yeah, like that's neat. And that's cool. But at the same time though, is that like, it, it's a hotel room. And like, at least being able to like say like, you woke up and you had like a giraffe, like within like what, five yards of your like hotel balcony. That's, that's an experience. experience. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's an, experience. an experience. You're not the, in the, the best rooms in their artist renderings at the Halcyon class Star Cruiser look rather small. You know, it, it from a tech standpoint, the windows have to be small because if you could walk 10 feet across your room, you'd be able to tell that it's a 2D screen out there. They need to keep your view very narrow so that you can't get a 3D perspective on the planet outside. So there's a, there's a lot of technical reasons why they can't get too crazy with the rooms. But that's the thing, though, is that, like, if you're going to do a Star Wars experience hotel, why not do it on one of the planets? Like, be like, oh, like, like that's, like, I don't know. Like, like, you have to play into the limitations of reality. So, like, I don't know. Like, for some reason why Bat- Batu was created, why not do a hotel experience on Batu? Why is it this, like, weird, like, oh, God, like, 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 I don't even know what to call this ship. Like, what would be the modern equivalent of something like this? Like, we don't know what Star Wars lodging on a starship is. Like, we've that's one thing we like we were talking about it before with like the bridge of like a sequel trilogy ship. Like, what is starship lodging in Star Wars? Outside of that one sequence in Attack of the Clones, where we see Anakin and Padme and R2D2's like cutting the line and getting them pancakes. <laughs> well, like, the reference the reference material, the available reference material instantly begins to show itself in some of these concept renderings. Like you have beds cut out, out in the wall that are like the medical bed on the Millennium Falcon, essentially. <laughs> so they, you know, the one time you ever saw a bed, that's what you get. The little kids have to sleep in wall cubby holes like the medical bed on the Millennium Falcon. But that's, but this is the thing, but again, this goes back to the thing though, is that like, they're creating a Star Wars quote unquote hotel experience, whatever it is, but they're doing it on an element of Star Wars that nobody should really care about, or nobody will, does care about. Like, think about it. Like when you're, as a Star Wars fan, what are like the three most important things you would ever want to like, like emulate? Wielding a lightsaber that's as close to what the movies portray as possible the Millennium Falcon. And then after that is what? Going to the cantina. No Star Wars fan wakes up one day and is like, you know what would be really cool? Sleeping in a Star Wars hotel. Like there's no part of this, like as a Star Wars fan where you want to emulate the lodging experience of Star Wars because that's not really a thing that we've ever seen. And when we do see it, it looks unpleasant at best. So I don't know why they just wouldn't create a Star Wars hotel that tries to do something like closer in mind to like that Animal Kingdom experience. Yeah, Whereas, you know, like like a gated community in Batu, <laughs> where you could look down on all the peasants when you wake up in the morning. That's what that's you need. But that's the thing though, because like any like Disney fan can tell you that like one of the biggest things they've always tried to do for like decades now is have like hotels in the actual park, um, whether it be like the idea of. Um, Oh God, Walt having that secret like apartment at Disneyland and things like that. 
So if you're going to do that, create like a little subsection of Batu and make that like its own little hotel thing. Because think about it, Batu is a wholly original planet. It can have whatever, oh God, climate it needs at that exact moment. Um, you can say one part of the planet is this, one part of the planet is that. And there you go. Yet you're getting this very kind of just like, oh God. And clearly this is like, and now that I think about it, like the fact that this thing was designed in the High Republic era makes sense because the High Republic is supposed to be Star Trek. Which explains why this thing looks so just overly polished and manicured. I mean, to, to be fair, they will have the recreated Falcon a uh, hundred feet away somewhere. <laughs> so like it's, I, I guess they, it makes sense to not have it be a too uh, similar of an experience, but the bridge just doesn't look like a Star Wars bridge. But that's the thing. But again, it goes back to the idea of like, if you're charging $6,000 a night to recreate being in Star Wars, I want to recreate what Star Wars is. Like in all honesty, if they wanted this thing to be fat, like huge, they would have made an X-Wing experience. Make it uh, well, X-Wing experience exclusive exa- to the hotel. Yeah. The, I mean, literally. And make it, it mind blowing. Listen, I was thinking about this. It writes itself. It's amazing. These people can't come up with these things. Like literally all you need is like motion simulators with screens similar to the Falcon cockpit that they, they know how to make this stuff. Line up like 20 of those so people at the hotel can use them and have it sort of integrated in their like sort of wristband thing. So it's like part of your little story. Like that's what people want to do. They show this game in the cockpit where they're like targeting little TIE fighters outside. And it looks like the Star Wars trilogy arcade from 1997. Like these crappy little explosions on the TIE fighters that just do not look real by any stretch of the imagination. And it's like how they can set that up with screens where it doesn't look like you're just looking at a display right in front of you is beyond me. But the effects in general looked a lot worse than even what they have on the uh, smugglers run ride. Oh God. That's like, that's the like peculiar thing about this. Like you're right. Like it's the idea of you, you need to do something that's very specific. That's star Warsy. But I think what they should have done was, do you remember, Ga- um, oh God, I felt say Galaxy's Edge. Do you remember Disney Quest, the thing they had at downtown Disney and they demolished it a couple of years ago? Can't say I'm familiar with that. No. Okay. Joe, do you remember that at all? No, I do not. Okay. For those who don't know what Disney Quest was, this was a 90s Michael Eisner era project where it was essentially like Disney trying to do its own like oh god version of I, I, oh god like dave and busters so to speak but like not for adults basically the only it was supposed to be this big thing that was gonna be in like multiple cities but it had two locations one was in chicago that closed within a couple of years but the one in orlando downtown disney now disney springs um it was like i want to say four to five stories like it's like in all honesty like just google disney quest building it was this big square boxy building but it essentially had different like oh god video i don't want to say video games but just like different like 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 uh, like mini attractions like they had it was all like around like they had like a little mini pirates of the caribbean they had like a mini like roller coaster simulator that's the sort of thing they should have done with this like essentially take that concept of having a building 
that had multiple like mini experiences in it, but make it exclusively Star Wars stuff. Oh, and I mean, not only that, but like, like l- there's some reason why I'm wrong. There has to be because there's too many highly paid people in- involved in these things. <laughs> but like even the lightsaber training thing, like f- five years ago, I played a VR game that was a more compelling lightsaber experience than what they're showing there. Where Wherein if you actually had a VR headset, you see things that actually look like lasers from Star Wars that you're blocking with a lightsaber and they, and it, it, it's not like clearly a laser pointer because that's all you can do in practicality. But, but even so, like, you know, we're talking, we should have cutting edge experiences here. So like, if you look at augmented reality products, like, um, like the magic leap, for example, I don't know if any, any of you have ever tried that, but it over, it's like augmented, it's 3d augmented reality. Right. So they could do you use something like that, give you a little headset that looks, looks like luke's uh training remote helmet and a new hope and then that could oh that can literally overlay a 3d lightsaber blade onto an a static hilt that you they could give you and then it could look like there's actual lasers coming at you in the room in 3d using literally off-the-shelf technology that exists and instead they have this weird thing shooting out blue lasers in every direction it's just you can imagine an experience that's so much better that you could put together with commercial products for like seven grand that but that's the thing that's so inexplicable about this it's like this just like that's the problem like this is okay i'm gonna dial that back it makes you ask the question is this here to did they design this thing because they had a really cool concept in mind or we have the we own the intellectual property and we're going to sit there to slap a label on this half-baked hotel, like a slightly better than normal hotel, and it'll make money regardless of how much effort we put into this. But like, I, I really like. I'm. This is coming from somebody who genuinely thinks there's a lot of impressive stuff at Galaxy's Edge. It literally looks like they put the weekend team on this thing, and it costs so much more. Like it probably because I think it's the idea that, like Chris, think about it though. It's it let's it, they know it's gonna make money regardless of how much money they put into this. So if you're guaranteed to make boffo dollars, and if you put in a dollar or ten thousand dollars, it's gonna make the same amount of money regardless. Why are you gonna go the extra effort? Because when you because it's not part of the plan to ha- try and hide your launch video. No, I but I think they they did that. Not because I think they're they were losing, they realized they were losing the PR battle. I don't think this thing hurt any reserve. I don't think any outside of oh god, I don't think you could fill a phone booth with the amount of people who already signed up for this that canceled after watching this video. You are you're either on think about it. If you've got six grand to spend on this for 36 hours of entertainment, quote unquote, there's nothing that's gonna turn you off from this outside of them closing it down there's nothing that's going to deter you from wanting to go there i don't know like uh like i uh uh, some of my uh facebook circles have some uh star wars fans of of considerable means in them and uh everybody seems to be making fun of this and i feel like there's a difference between there's a difference between making fun of it and then canceling a reservation yeah if you already have one maybe if you were already planning on going to the park at that specific time, maybe, but 
that's I don't like I said I don't like it's one of those things where it Chris you saw like you convinced me and this was like a couple of months ago we were talking about Galaxy's Edge and I'm like why would any Star Wars purist ever want to go to Galaxy's Edge and you're like life-size money and Falcon and I'm like yeah but it's Force Awakens you're like it doesn't matter life-size money and Falcon and that's what it is it's it's that notion of as long as it has the logo on it and, and you are of somebody of means, you're just going to hand the money over. No, and listen, there's a, I don't think that's comparable at all. I mean, no? like, I would pay, I would probably, I like, I don't know, like the cost of getting into Galaxy's Edge is almost worth it just to like stand around that Millennium Falcon and look at it for an hour to me. Like that is not a Force Awakens Millennium Falcon. That is, you can't even see the radar dish from your perspective most of the time, probably. Like that's so different. That is like, that the that is the purest essence of like good Star Wars, the, the exterior of the Millennium Falcon. This is nothing to do with that. This is not. Oh no, I, 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 <laughs> But that's my thing, though, is that like the Millennium Falcon is just essentially the Star Wars logo that gets you to basically swipe your credit card. It, But but maybe that's I don't know. That's not how I'm looking at it. I look at that as almost being able to like as close as you're going to get and probably better looking than visiting an actual set where they have a full scale Millennium Falcon. But that but is, is that an experience that is waking up next to the giraffe. <laughs> Okay, this might just come down to a matter of like individual preference then, because like to me, Star Wars is not about standing next to a, a, a oh God, what would you even call that? It's not, it's not a prop, a, a, a theme park. It's a set, basically. It's not, no, what, what would you even call that? Joe, help me out here. What would you call in factual terms the Millennium Falcon at Galaxy's Edge? Like, what would you even call that? Like, if you had to define that, like, what is that? A, 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 it's not a prop. It's an attraction. But it's not an attraction. It's just sitting there. Like it's it's essentially a marquee for the the simulator ride. But it's still an attraction. People are going to go there for the price of admission just for that. But like it's, I, I, I listen, just scale scale wise and presentation wise, it's probably the most accurate mining falcon that's like ever existed in a well, it better form. be it better be no but i'm saying like but i'm saying in. like they built some for the sequel trilogy but there's always compromises here or there you know like this is probably the best look you could ever get at it i'm sure it's crazy i haven't got down there yet the last time i was uh, at disney was while that was under construction so but like i'm thinking about fitting it in the week before celebration but that'd be a pretty extravagant trip but uh it's i'm, I'm working on it and i think that's what i'm going to do I like it's just that notion of like Star Wars to me is not standing next to something that was built six years or what three years ago. Like that's like I said that that and maybe it's, again it goes back to a matter of personal taste. But I guess there's nothing in Galaxy's Edge that makes me want to go there. The only reason why I would ever want to go to Galaxy's Edge is because I want like the Cal Kestis baseball bat lightsaber, which they still haven't like unveiled, even though they promised they'd have it ready by fall. Like that's the thing. It's like there, to this, like I know, like, and just to give him a nice shout out, friend of the podcast, Pork Knight Mika, has like he he went to Galaxy's Edge. He's been like, oh God, one of the OG, oh God, he was a Star Wars junk podcast fan. And like he did a phenomenal write-up in the Facebook group. 
And like he did a good job describing it, but like there was nothing that made me even interested to go to that. Like to this day, like I'm still like, I just don't care. Like Rise of the Resistance, like it's neat looking, don't care. Smugglers Run, like, and, and he says this in his write up. He's like, if you're not the pilot, you're going to hate that ride. You are going to hate that ride because it's going to frustrate you because you just sit there as you watch some moron who cannot use up and down on a lever. I listen, this is I, it's it's actually beyond my comprehension that walking up to a full scale Millennium Falcon does not interest you. I just can't humor that. Because the Millennium Falcon isn't real. Like that's the thing. Like Star Wars is about like immersion into that world. Exactly. Being in, but being in central Florida with a Millennium Falcon, like giant, like, oh God, what was you fiberglass thingy? It's not what Star Wars is to me. It is the closest immersion you're going to get. Like, there's a set built all around it. Like, it's why for don't... a planet that doesn't matter. Like, if this was Tatooine, like, if, if this was this, like, this is where nostalgia matters. If this was, like, oh, God, was it the uh, Bay, what, 94? You know, okay, like, I see where you're going with this, but what you're missing is that the Docking Bay 94 set all of the work is the Millennium Falcon in that set. You understand is that, it? right? The rest, the rest is poorly made tan colored walls. Like the yeah, Millennium Falcon but, is the high octane juice, man. Just, like, I don't know what like, you're talking think, about. That's where all about, the interest is. But think about though, like you have that moment where you have like a chewy Obi-Wan and Luke and they come in with uh, the droids come through like wherever that little threshold is. Like, I don't know. And then, like, all that moment where you have Han doing something under the ship and then the stormtroopers, like, like coming out of that same, like, entrance area. Like, I don't know. There's just something we Again, it, to me, the hotel thing is, is an extension of Galaxy's Edge and just, I don't get the appeal. As a Star Wars fan who's done more than their fair share of swiping their credit card, like, I, it's, it's a point where I'm just like... I'm indifferent toward it. Like, I, well, like if people enjoy it, hey, it's fine, but I don't get the appeal. Of it. I like, think it's something he, that I just can't get. I think here's the, this is the best way to sort of boil down the difference between Galaxy's Edge and this preposterous Star <laughs> Cruiser hotel experience. Like I remember in a, in, in a, it must've been a launch promo video for the actual park experience. They, they got Doug Chang in there. They're talking about how, the, we set it up we set we set up the layout of this part of the park so that when you come around this corner it's just like the the shot where you first see the falcon in a new hope like it's we set it up so you're coming in at that angle and you're gonna see it and you're not gonna believe that it's in front of you just the idea that they thought about that sh shot and that angle wh whether you think that's just marketing fluff or not there's more craft in the idea of that than anything that's in the star cruiser video like it's times a hundred more interesting the two people they have in the star cruiser video don't seem like they've ever seen star wars before well i think it's fair to say that like if, if you had to pull the poll the imagineers who worked on not just the is i, I love that adjective chris what a prop what a fantastic accurate adjective preposterous hotel um I would be shocked if you somehow got beyond the single digits of people who genuinely love Star Wars and weren't just doing this for a way to advance their career, just to say they worked on this. Um, no, you're right. I, I remember that PR tagline of like Galaxy's Edge. Like, oh, like you turn the corner and it's the same angle of how you're first introduced to the Falcon. I remember that. Um, 
it no, proves that, it proves that they've seen Star Wars. I'll tell you that it proves, it proves somebody involved has seen Star Wars. Not everybody. Um, I, I I just again I'm not arguing they haven't put thought into this. It just seems like they they picked and choose when they were thinking about this. But 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 it's like but even look at the cantina. Like I won't be surprised if we find out that the cantina they show in this promo video is not real they're not the real star cruiser cantina because it literally looks like if you were going to make a saturday night live sketch cantina set over over the weekend that that's what it looks like it's just like blue and red and yellow and like there's no there's no real ig88 heads behind the bar or anything and it's like it's it looks really small and not very impressive and like though even the one at galaxy's edge looks like it's part of a movie by comparison. This looks like like they literally just made it up right before the video. It looks crazy. well. Yeah, I like I said, that's I agree with you because that was like that part with the uh, Star Wars pop singer. Their words, not mine. Um, feels like something from the Star Wars holiday special. It, it just it feels like something with like a cardboard like walls. I agree. I could see that being a set because obviously they're not going to do a, a mock cantina if they haven't built the one yet. At the well, not only yet. that, but when he walks into that room, he goes into like a white abyss as if they haven't even finished the hallway that he's walking through to get into that room. Like it's clearly not the same. He, it's like the door he goes through is not where he comes out. Like there's there's not subtle. Well, yeah, it's a set. There. It's uh, yes. I think we're both getting to the same point. It, it's a set. It's not a physical. It's not a. An actual bar. It's a set. Although I'll tell you what, what, <clears throat> what I believe is a real part of this is uh, when they're right before he sort of veers off. I, his name is completely escaping me. My apologies. <laughs> but uh, right before he sort of stops, he gets bored of what she's saying and stops listening to her and veers off. Uh, you, you, you see this really sort of dimly lit long white hallway that has what appears to be like red exit signs in the background, yes, they, and it's just blurred out, and it just looks dimly lit and and very industrial and like that i believe is a real part of it because like if you were designing a set you'd never make it look like that but um well that's can I also, may i also say that whoever lit this promo does not know how to light things i don't think they did i think the idea is that you see these sort of long tube track lightings along the like the the corn the top the right hand corners of the top of the wall and i think the idea with that is like you'll get passable selfie lighting throughout the whole place. But I don't think they brought in anything because even when uh, you have the Imagineer uh, lady in the bridge, like there's no eye light at all. She has these weird shadows all over the place. I don't think they lit anything because it looks like. Well, that's, the, that's, that's the problem. Somebody by saying nobody, somebody didn't know how to light this properly is because they didn't light. They just used the natural light of the location to do the heavy lifting, which it's not intended to do for a promotional video. Yep, it's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> take I, it down. Well, like I said, everything about this just, like I said, as a piece of marketing, I find it fascinating. Uh, anybody who's been a listener to this podcast for years now knows that angle of Star Wars is the one I cannot figure out. The fact that they still cannot sell basically hotcakes is, is astounding to me. But I think it's the idea, like, this is my thing, Chris. If you had to, because well, I think I've read that this thing's booked from like when it opens in March to like September. If you had to look at the breakdown of who is signing up for this, what do you think is the first priority of these people? Are they Star Wars fans or are they just theme park goers? 
Well, uh, it's got to be theme park goers because like all the Star Wars fans seem to be making fun of it at the moment. Like basically all of them. Like I've almost never seen something so universally laughed at that Disney has put out. Like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a little bit in column A where I have like your uh, your traditional sort of old guy Star Wars collector group. And then I see the the yes men who just like everything Disney does. And everybody thinks this is a little weird. <laughs> like the it's like the, even the song is not the song literally sounds like something out of a Disney animated film. It's like it's it's not Star Wars in any way. It shouldn't even be English if we are going based on songs that have showed up in universe in Star Wars, even in the Disney era films. Well, that's the thing, because if you like, like when I was watching that sequence, I couldn't help but think back to the moment in Solo where they go into Dryden Voss's like yacht ship, and you have like, oh god, the woman with the weird like, um, oh god, uh, got like a mic built, yeah, mic yeah, built into her face with, and, with like, the Art Deco like, yeah, the yeah. Art Deco like mic built into her face, and you have the little like, oh god, head in the jar that's like singing like his lounge like what lounge dance, uh, yeah, yeah, like lounge a club singer. Like if that's a six out of ten, like this is a zero point three. Like it's just like what, like I, I mean, maybe they think something like that is far too strange to like throw at uh, Joe Hotel attendee. Like th- I, that's the thing. Like I don't know much about the parks, right? Like I don't know how this cost wise compares to like what's the next best hotel inside the park, cost wise. Well, like I said, I, I, as I've said numerous times, like I grew up at those theme parks when I was a kid. Um, I've never stayed at a Disney um, hotel, but I've been in numerous of them. There was always a thing with my brother. My brother always liked just like walking through the hotels when we were there. So like, again, I've been to the Polynesian countless times, the Grand Floridian, um, Contemporary, more your Magic Kingdom theme parks, really. Um, Magic Kingdom resorts, not not any of the other ones. Um but there's there's a universal theme to all these, like the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian. Like you, there, there's a very similar energy just from how they're the layout, the staff, how are things done, um, and that's not present here at all. Like there's almost this level of just like, oh god, like all the hotels, even though they're expensive, have this artificial warmth to them. They're very cozy. And, and I could be wrong until I'm actually physically in this thing. It's not fair to judge it as such, but there's, it feels almost unnaturally sterile for a place that people are supposed to be sleeping in, which is antithetical to what Disney, the whole point of Disney is. Disney is supposed to be, again, warm and cozy. You know, you know, space is cold, Zach. You come from a warm planet. (laughs) Oh God. Oh God. Um, but yeah, like that's the thing. I I don't know. Like my understanding of Disney theme parks um, is probably antiquated by today's standards. Because again, I grew up with those theme parks in the early 2000s, which is, we are well beyond that now. But all those resorts are still there. So it's not completely something to be dismissed. And this is, again, it, I get it. It's not supposed to be a hotel, exclusively a hotel. But and I just want to touch upon that moment that you mentioned with the, uh, it's not in this video, but it's another promotional piece where we have the Imagineer with the lightsaber experience. And it's so, it, think about it. It's supposed to be you like playing with a, oh God, not a probe droid, 
but something similar where like you're supposed to be doing what Luke did with the training thing and kind of like reflect the, the laser shots off the lightsaber blade. And the guy doing it looks bored out of his mind. If, if the guy who's doing a demonstration for promotional reasons looks bored, why on earth would anybody like this? Yeah, like this. Well, this it really kills me. Like, like I was saying earlier, like the technology exists to make this look amazing from a first person perspective. And this is like, they're not even trying here. Like, like you, like literally like some sort of 3d augmented reality would have been the way to go because you could literally see, uh, you could have a, a real nice looking hilt. You could have, you could literally see a lightsaber blade ignite before your eyes in 3d. And you could have a floating flying 3d training remote shooting 3d lasers at you with i'm telling you consumer technology that currently exists so they can definitely afford 20 of them for the for that hotel so it's just like there are there are just there are guys making unlicensed games that are exactly a lightsaber training simulator that these have existed five years ago and they're much more engaging than what we're seeing here but again it begs that question what is the point of this thing? Is it there to emulate the Star Wars experience or is it a way to fleece people out of their money, giving them a, oh God, half-baked Star Wars experience? It's, de- it's definitely the latter. I'm just, I'm just of the firm belief that the park experience of Galaxy's Edge is clearly superior in every way, shape, and form to what they have going on in this hotel. Well, sure, I'm not arguing that, but I still think Galaxy's Edge... Again, keep in mind, Galaxy's Edge was designed because Disney got threatened by the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Universal. And there, I don't care what you say. Again, as a Star Wars fan... Galaxy's Edge does not hold like, like a candle to what the Wizarding World is for Harry Potter fans. There's a well, reason why and, it's, and it's, it's it's quite specifically Bob Iger's fault because you know there's inner there's Disney released interview footage of the Imagineers talking about designing Galaxy's Edge and they're like, well, what if we do Tatooine or this or that? And then I I'm quite certain they say Bob Iger said this is great, but it needs to be something from our era of films for us to even consider this undertaking. So that's, it's quite directly exactly his fault. Well, no, Bob, Bob, Iger, Bob Iger's the villain. I get to anybody, anybody, yeah, any Star Wars fan that's angry about what's happened over the last decade, nine tenths of the reasons why you're frustrated come from Bob Iger. Well, but I'm telling you, like, I'd rather have Batu than be forced to be reminded of Maz Kanata every time I went to Disneyland. Oh no. Well, okay. Well, yes, like, I'm not going to argue that, but it's the idea that, like, again, Galaxy's Edge should never have been based off the sequel trilogy. I don't care how just lodged up their own butt talks that they were at the time. No. No. Like, it should have always been Tatooine. Yeah, I mean, well, the groundwork for that had to start so early that, you know, we're talking about like pre-Solo, pre-Last Jedi cultural reception. So like the gears were moving early on that when people were still in the sort of honeymoon period of Disney Star Wars. So they were probably optimistic about it. But this is the thing though. It's like, think about it. Like the sequel trilogy is so, so beholden to nostalgia. Yet we do, outside of what, the last two minutes of The Rise of Skywalker, we spend no time on Tatooine. The Mandalorian has spent more time on Tatooine than the sequel trilogy did. 
It, yeah, but you spend on you spend plenty of time on multiple Tatooine facsimiles, though. But that's the thing that's so baffling is that like, if you're gonna be like, okay, like, like we're Disney, we are the gold standard when it comes to theme parks, and if we're gonna do Star Wars theme park stuff, we have to do Tatooine. Then why not make Tatooine a bigger focal point of the sequel trilogy? So you have that natural just overlay where it's like that Venn diagram image of like, okay, they're almost on top of each other. I think like it's just, I think it's literally just like, it's, it's a couple things, but partially it's just like JJ being an insane person. Cause obviously Favreau and Filoni like know that you should take things should take place on Tatooine for the amusement of fans. <laughs> so it's not, it's just like, I don't know where that mandate came from. Like to like, if it even was, if there even was one to not use, these same planets but make up new ones that are virtually identical like you like it's almost it, you know it's 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 funny looking back on it how like the force awakens has like a desert snow and forest planet within an hour it's like it's like do you like this i've we've heard you like this sort of thing would you like some more of this sort of thing <laughs> you're right no like clearly because like again that, that's the big thing from outside of the last jedi Pretty much that's even what it is with the Rise of Skywalker. It's like, oh, the Death Star remains. Oh, they're on Endor? No! They're on Kef Burr. Well, what the hell is a Kef Burr? Oh, it's another moon in the Endor system. Well, wh- wh- why couldn't it be Endor? Kef Burr! It's like, like, again, you're just making decisions just to make them slightly different. Um, it's the thing with the Stormtroopers. It's like, well, it's a Stormtrooper, but it's a slightly different Stormtrooper. And it's like, well, well, if you're going to do stormtroopers, just make them look like stormtroopers then. No, no, no. These are different stormtroopers, but they look the same. Well, and, and clearly that had to be an edict or a mandate. Yeah, I mean, it had I don't to be. Know. It's, JJ well, is not that creative. He's not that creative. <laughs> and neither I mean, is Lawrence Kasdan. And neither is, we know that for certain. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole to like sort of go down like, because I mean, like, obviously, like, and we've talked about this numerous times, but there's like, it's so to me as like a as an audience member it's just so strange and jarring that there's just like new stormtroopers in episode seven if you're sort of watching these films in order so i like i it's got like you know if somebody said that it has to be a fresh coat of paint that's at some point in the process they're just slightly worse looking stormtroopers it's like it's like uh you know they the, it's amazing that you could per, some guy in his garage in the uk basically perfected the stormtrooper design over the weekend and they just haven't done better since it's really a shame it is no like i said but like like and this is something else i just want to briefly mention is that like you do get those like occasionally random glimpses of creativity because this is a couple of weeks ago that there's some new star wars reference book that's out and we finally got like our first like clear look at like rise of skywalker palpatine and the oh god the sentinel guards that we see at the end of the rise of skywalker on exegol and not to say those ideas are perfect but it's like oh it's at least a different version of like it's a slightly different stormtrooper, like mixed with a royal guard. And it's like, wh- why not do more things like that? Where, like, if you are going to like play with the designs, but also keep that like level of nostalgia, do that where clearly it's like in that time frame. And it's not, it's just a minor tweak. There's a difference between refreshing something and then just kind of like slightly tweaking it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think they've learned their lesson. And obviously, a lot of the media we're going to see in the near future is original trilogy adjacent, like Mandalorian, the Boba Fett show, the Obi-Wan show, Rangers of the New Republic. Oh, wait, that's canceled. Uh, um, Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's canceled. Um, but, you know, they... Benny like, Off and Weiss movies. And isn't it so so charming that like i saw this interview with you and mcgregor where you sorry you and mcdonald where he talks about uh like being on set and seeing stormtroopers and he's like wait a minute did they have those when i was playing obi-wan before i can't remember and it's just so it's so innocent to see the fact that he literally has no clue what's going on canonically in star wars because he's like wasn't quite sure if he'd seen stormtroopers before when he was on set and it's like it's like they know that uh that era is like really what gets the fans excited so i think we're going to see a lot of that and you don't you know like there's your that sort of original trilogy era of the story lasts for like 20 years so you don't really need to go outside of it if you're doing these sort of side stories that take place concurrently with the main films so it's hopefully they've sort of uh learned their lesson on that and if you look at what they're promoting lately you they probably have because you don't see a whole lot of sequel trilogy anything no like no sequel trilogy is is for all intents and purposes over now but you could say the same thing for the most part like in 2006 and 2007 for the for the prequels uh, well i mean i'm not counting clone wars i'm not counting because that was that was that was part of a whole new like launch of something else so you're, you're implying that like you didn't you don't think the like the clones and stuff were like super popular in the early 2000s? No, I think is no, I don't think so at all. Like, good lord, like I'm not saying it like they didn't have their fans. I'm I'm not arguing that at all. But I think we are not saying. Think about it, Chris. Like you remember being like a Star Wars fan and collector in 2006 and 2007. The prequels were a dirty word. Like if somebody came up to you in 2006 or 2007 and said, "What's your favorite Star Wars movie?" If you didn't say Empire, someone would have a gun to the back of your head. Yeah, I mean, it's now now you talk to people about their favorite Star Wars movie. And usually the go to answer now is Revenge of the Sith. I don't know about I don't know about that. I've heard not in the circles you run in, Chris. I've heard but I've heard I've surprisingly heard episode one. As the answer to that question from very interesting people twice in the last week that surprised me quite a bit, like like old guys. Yeah. Well, sure. And that's, and I think that's where we are. Like, that's where we're at. Like, not to make this into a weird, like, defense of the sequel trilogy, like, argument. But I think that's where we are now in Star Wars culture. Whereas, like, like the sequel trilogy has to now kind of just sit in jail. Like, we have to leave that alone for a few years. And like I said, like, wait until those kids that grew up with the sequel trilogy are, like, the age I'm at now. And see the appreciation of those. Like I said, the sequel trilogy is going to be appreciated the same way the prequels were. Like, I remember this was years ago. Like, we had my friend Josh on from Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. He's like, I remember, like, after the prequels came out, like, like five years afterwards, it was like, oh, the prequels suck. But Revenge of the Sith is okay. And then, like, fast forward, like, to, like, the late 20, like, like, 10s. And now it's like, yeah, the prequels are pretty good. But Revenge of the Sith is great. And that's what I think is going to happen with the sequel trilogy, for, for better or worse, not saying that it's deserved or uh, it should be condemned. But I think we're going to get to that point. Like in the next 10 years, it'll start. Completely disagree. And we should set some dates and put some money on it. It's just like, I, you know, it's just so 
it's so disconnected from the rest of the saga that I just don't see it being viewed that way. And, and, couldn't, too- and couldn't the prequel trilogy be said the same thing in 2007? I, I don't think so. I mean, you really? literally have, if you look at, look at the characters that are in play at the, at the end of episode three, basically all of them are in the original trilogy. Like it's just one into the other. I, I mean, on a cultural like level in the sense of like, like where these films are kind of left, like as a taste in everybody's collective mouse in the pop culture. I think that the best thing that ever happened to the prequels is the sequels. Well, well, yeah, any new thing's going to make the old thing look better. I mean, should re- like, is that really? I mean, like, that's objectively true, but, like, let's think about that for a moment. <laughs> that's, that's horrifying and terrible, and why can't people figure out anything? As, like, it's like, it's, you know, like, like, there's definitely some reason that we're wrong, but, like, I have never heard a compelling explanation as to why that is like, you know what I mean? Like you, you'd think it'd be easy to learn from what worked and what didn't about these things. Well, I also think hindsight is 2020. Yeah, but they're making that stuff now looking back at how previous things were handled. That's what I'm talking about. But how do you know how things are going to resonate? It's because something is popular in the moment. Doesn't mean it's going to sit there, like have any sort of meaningful impact, like later down the line, like look at Spider-Man. Like seven years ago, we had Jamie Foxx Electro that was literally like laugh off the face of the earth. And now he's being highlighted with the likes of Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina. Yeah. It's like, wow, look, we're getting back. And I mean, he's not, though. Like, literally, those movies are terrible. Like, I like the Andrew Garfield movies are not good. Like, sorry, everyone who likes them. And the, the (sighs) the problem is like you like the difference with the prequels and the sequel trilogy is like they're like. there's nothing interesting about the story in the sequel trilogy like hot take and it's created by like a marketing company and a focus group and there's weird non-existent character motivations so it's not going to culturally resonate in the same way because it wasn't made by like an insane person is there anything that resonates with the culture in attack of the clones Um, it has the word star wars in the title I, I listen, man. When when Obi Wan when <laughs> listen when o, when Obi Wan walks out on that balcony and sees the clone army with the Trade Federation music, there's more feels in that teaspoon than like a lot of the sequel trilogy. Like you know, there's some moments in there, and it's just like. And you're telling me that in like in okay, it's it's again it's hard to sit there and allow the sequel to judge the sequel trilogy because it technically ended less than two years ago. But you're telling me in The Force Awakens, we're not going to sit there and look back at any of these moments. Like I said, I still think The Last Jedi is going – The Last Jedi will eventually be appreciated in the same level that Empire and Revenge of the Sith were eventually. Like without a doubt, The Last Jedi will be seen as the bright moment in the sequel trilogy. And the, 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 I think the, the problem is always going to be that the sequel trilogy is actually episodes – Uh, 10 11 11, and 12 and you're they're never going to be able to do anything about that and it's a bad 10 11 and 12 but it's 10 11 and 12 stop it i i don't think so i i guess it i i can't i think i disagree because you have palpatine if it, if yes, if if episode nine was the Colin Madman Trevorrow version where you have Tor Valum and you have Kylo Ren like having like a like a mask like melded to his face, then yes. 
Yeah, but you don't I, actually have Palpatine, though. You have you have you have a a a, a t- sleepy, tired, stressed out J.J. Abrams being like, "What do these nerds want me to do?" Um, let's have Poe Dameron say somehow Palpatine exists, and then we'll have great. Palpatine. That's great. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love that movie so much. Somehow Palpatine has returned. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I guess the the nice thing about about uh, this whole Star Cruiser thing is that theoretically in this canonical existence of Galaxy's Edge, Palpatine's out there somewhere pulling the strings. He hasn't been <laughs> killed for the second or third time yet. So like, that's fun. I mean, that's what they really need. Like you need to like go, you need to like accidentally peep a hologram of Palpatine talking to his boys, like how Boba Fett gets spied on in the holiday special. Like you need to like go in a room in the Star Cruiser and hear, and easily stumble upon an encrypted transmission of Palpatine. Well, that's that's where like I truly wish when they did Rise of the Resistance that they like had the the um, Rise of Skywalker Kylo Ren with the red hat with the red like like oh god what you call it like super glue. That's where I wish they would have had that. Because like, wouldn't that be a great? Chris, did you ever watch any of the uh, ride footage from Rise of the Resistance? I've been. Are you I still have, I, I've I've avoided ride footage of both rides. Yeah. Okay. There's you see. There's a Kylo Ren animatronic at least twice in that ride, and one of the moments without I don't think it's giving anything away. But there's also a Dom Hall Gleason animatronic, which might be the only reason why I ever want to go to Galaxy's Edge. The thing that there's a General Hux animatronic. That probably cost the company in the ballpark of like three hundred thousand dollars. Amazing. It, that that if, okay, Chris. I want you to know my equivalent of seeing the one to one scale Millennium Falcon is seeing the one to one General Hux animatronic. That is my version. I mean, of, I would uh, pay worth every cent if he tells you that he is the spy, but it takes place before that. <laughs> that okay, but that's the point I'm getting at. Like, if there was a moment in this where you would see like kylo ren talking to the emperor a la vader and empire that would be a cool moment like wouldn't that be great that like you're on this ride like and you like interrupt because there's a couple of moments in rise of the resistance where you interrupt kylo ren doing his thing and he comes after you wouldn't it be great if there was a moment where like you open a door and you see kylo ren like there, like talking to the emperor as a hologram and like it like, quickly like blinks out i'm like I'm- wouldn't that be neat That'd be that'd be good. I'm almost not sure. It, it you know what would have been great is if when they had made episode seven and eight, they knew they were going to bring back Palpatine. They might have been able to include something like that preemptively, but they made up their mind at the last possible second that they were going to include Palpatine. Empire. Star Wars aftermath trilogy Empire's End, published February of 2017, and guess who? Palpatine's return. And guess who didn't know anything about it? J.J. Abrams. Well, a hundred percent, but it was there. I still think the after again, everybody keeps saying this, like I said, this is the thing like I feel like I will I will I will die on this hill forever. Um, it's like my version of Star Wars Groundhog Day. Is that Lucasfilm, I think, always intended on Palpatine coming back. I think about it. Ruin Johnson was writing the script for the for episode eight in like, oh god, February of like 2015 they knew they were killing snoke like that early and there had to be another bad guy but it was all the the new bad guy was always going to be a combination of kylo ren and some like master like puppet master yeah but we you know we have 
the we have the Trevorrow script. Like we know that they weren't planning on bringing back Palpatine until. But it was gonna be. But the, this is the thing, though. The master like pull uh, string puller was gonna be Torvalo. And I think what happened was that, like, you got to give Kathleen credit where credit is due. She threw Trevorrow off, which was probably the best decision she ever made. And was like, and I think this is where you got to give whoever it is, whether it be J.J. Abrams, Chris Terrio, Bob Iger, Kathleen Kenny, whoever made the final decision. Was it like, if we're going to have the puppet master, how can it be anyone but Palpatine? How? Like that's well, the thing about Star. That's why I've never had a problem with the Rise of Skywalker. Like when they announced Palpatine was coming back, it was like it makes a hundred percent sense. Ex- yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. There's only you- one. Pu- there's only one master evil puppet master, and it's Palpatine. It can never be anybody but him because Palpatine's been there all along, like in the background, just doing his. Everything is proceeding exactly as I have foreseen it. And it's like you can't, and that's why like Snoke's death makes perfect sense. Yeah, but like what? But like Snoke in general doesn't make sense because Snoke. He's a is, false. He's a false idol. That's the whole thing. He has to die because he's the false idol. Snoke is is to the Emperor that what the First Order stormtroopers are to real stormtroopers. Like we can't have the Emperor, so let's make up a McDonald's version of him. That's what Snoke is. I don't think the plan ever was thought through to conclusion. I because- think. Well, I think it was because Ryan. I think about. It. JJ was, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to argue that JJ clearly didn't have a plan for three films when he was, oh God, writing with Lawrence Kasdan, episode seven. I, I will never not argue that. But it's, it's that idea that they knew the trajectory of this back in 2015, early 2015. They knew where things were going. Remember, Trevorrow was like announced as director within less than a year of Jurassic World coming out. That's the reason why he didn't do Jurassic World 2 Dinosaur Boogaloo, which was released in 2018, because like he couldn't even work on like pre-production for that movie outside of like in a producing role. Yeah, but that's like that script that leaked is a very different film. But that's one script amongst many. Like there's thing about there's two Trevorrow scripts out there. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a version they were working on before JJ that did not include the Emperor. That's all. But I'm it had but it had the Puppet Master in it, and it was gonna be Torvalo. I mean that I I almost prefer that, but no. yeah. Torvalds, I mean, think about Torvalds. I mean, it really gets... should be Plagueis coming back, like like Voldemort. Nobody you know? knows but... what that is. That's <laughs> the, but that's the problem the is like, the, people say that, but he's he's named in the movie. Like, what more do you but, want? But but that, I okay. agree with Chris. I agree with Chris. I'm okay. sorry. All right, but Plagueis okay, would we'll... have been the best one for it. Who cares about? Okay, if you're sitting for episode nine. And you want to see the the end of the Skywalker saga, quote unquote, again. It's the idea of like, do you want to see Darth Plagueis or do you want to see Ian McDermott back? Plagueis. Oh, please get out of here. Get out of here. I got to no. listen. I'm, I'm we got picking the, you we, up right now and I'm we, throwing you down the do you, Death Star. Do you like, re- chasm. I'm do you throwing re- you down it as you electrocute my mask as I'm yelling. My no. guy, we got the we got the Ian McDermott trilogy already, man. Like, we're good. Like, listen, I, great. I, I enjoyed can, every minute of it. I You're I'm, telling me you would not. You're telling me you don't enjoy Palpatine sitting on his little like, like, oh, God, stone throne being like don't oh god what's he saying that line for the rise of skywalker he's like don't fret my faithful this will be the return of the sith 
as he like puts his hands to the heavens and ignites the sky with blue lightning. I'm like, it it's delightful. It would have been better if it was Plagueis because then it well, would have We don't know sense. anything about Plagueis. Listen, I have exactly. All you know about him is that he, he's a hard sleeper. That's Listen, why it should have been him because I, no one knew anything about him. If and I'm you be- really want the last film to explain him. Uh, yes, because, because they could have they could have tied it in in a way where they let people know early in episode seven that like there's like it's it's like look it's like you know we the once again there's some reason why i'm wrong but if you look at the original trilogy they allude to somebody greater than vader long time before they show him and in in episode seven you have this weird snoke guy and it's like he has no explanation you see him right away he's old but he didn't exist in the previous films even though he would have been well alive and powerful if he's this amazing right now like it just doesn't fit and you know you could have sowed the seeds of the legend of Plagueis and like some some force growing in power out in the unknown regions in episode seven you could have done you could have done that but that would be too you really want episode nine explaining a character that is name dropped once three movies ago, just because, five no, movies ago. Listen, well, here, you know what? What I would really have wanted is the, like the Yuuzhan Vong attacking Coruscant and the New Republic, but I'm never. We're never going to get that. But I didn't want Palpatine again. I didn't want the Empire. I didn't want a Dollarama version of the Empire <laughs> to come back w- without explanation. You know, I, it's just like we, like I, I just think that it needed to be something, something that that grew past Palpatine because the whole point of six movies was the defeat of Palpatine. So it's just, I, I'm good without it because I, unlike J.J. Abrams, I don't think a Star Wars film has to have a Cantina and a Palpatine to be a Star Wars film, or the fans will riot. No, I, I agree. Like, it's not the seven, eight, nine that I would have made. But considering that I am not the person tasked with bringing these things into reality, I, I am con- at the very least content with what we got. But you don't that, want Galaxy's Edge based on it. Well, the problem is that Galaxy's Batu is in the sequel trilogy. Well, Hondo Onaka is not in the sequel trilogy. Neither, neither is Tatooine. So what are you going to do? Well, that's okay. Then, but again, it goes back to my thesis on theme park attractions. They're supposed to be steep in nostalgia and things that we know and love, not off novel experiences. Like everybody gets, like I said, as a lifelong Disney theme parks fan, everybody, all the stupid like theme park blogs and like Twitter people I follow are like, man, I wish we got like original attractions still. And I'm like, that's fine. Like I love Expedition Everest. I loved extraterrestrial alien encounter. Phenomenal attractions. But Walt Disney, if you go back to his plan for Disneyland, the whole point was to sit there. It was supposed to be like a synergy symbiotic circle. The theme park promotes the, the movies and TV shows. Then in return, the movie and TV shows promote the theme park. It's meant to be symbiotic. So like that's where like I would even though I wouldn't be against like new IPs originating in the theme park. At the same time, that wasn't even Walt's Walt didn't even want that. He only created new wholly original things to the theme park because he didn't have enough movie and TV IP to sit there, completely hold the theme parks up. Um, that's what it is. Like it's the reason why the wizarding world of Harry Potter paid for itself in three months at universal was because it was steeped in things people want to, to visit in the flesh. Nobody, no star Wars fan wakes up in the morning and says, I wonder what doc Ondor is up to today. No one's saying, I can't wait to walk into Doc Ondor's shop of antiquities. What they do say is when they're watching Star Wars, like, man, that cantina is cool. Right. Like, 
but you see inside one building in Moss Eisley, like you can't really, I don't know if there's enough breadth there to like build a whole park without making it a lot more visually interesting than it actually But there's things you screen. can take, but, but there's, but like, it goes back to like what happened. Oh God. With like star tours at the uh, uh, MGM. Is that like one half of it is like Endor where you have the facade of the Adat Walker. And then the other side is like Tatooine traders. It's the idea of like, it's a theme park. Like you can sit there, blend things. Like it doesn't, not everything has to be 110% consistent. And that's the thing. Like Disney's a slave to these weird consistencies. Like, oh God, who is it? Emerson or Thoreau who said like a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of a small mind. Is that like, you can blend things. It's a theme park. Like we do not, like this is thing that drives me nuts about Disney now. Everything is that like, they have this weird, Oh God, it's this weird mandate. Like it used to be in Disney theme park rides for the longest time that like, oh, you're getting on the ride. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then something goes wrong. Now everything is, oh, we're going on this ride, but you have to like go through the process of, of the, the faux process of getting to the actual thing. Whether it be like, oh, on Rise of the Resistance, you're on Batu, but wait, you're going to be boarding a Resistance shuttle and going to like a, a flagship. And then with the, the hotel, oh, you're not going to a hotel in Star Wars land. You're boarding a, a shuttlecraft that's going to bring you oh, to the ship. But what do you mean, though? Like, that's the greatest theme park rides of all time start out the queue and some dramatic narrative fashion like I, I don't i don't mind i don't i have nothing against that but sometimes you can just the thing can be the thing at ground level so to speak you don't have to have a cue that is there to transport you to where the thing really is uh i think that's that's been like i mean look at look at some of the really good universal ones that no longer exist like terminator 2 and jaws like terminator 2 one you're getting like a tech demo at Cyberdyne that's, or something. That's that's fine. I have no problem with that. That's exactly what I want. I want the tech demo to be right there. It's essentially just pre-show. Like I, it's the idea. Like everything can't just simply be the pre-show. It has to be transporting you to where the thing really is. It's that that oh god, what would you call it? The illusion of oh this thing isn't here. It's out there. We're gonna sell you that it's out there. That's like I said. It's. It's that everything relies, like even the um. It's because oh it's because they need spaceships, and you just can't do spaceships, Zach. Like that's the problem. That's the thing, but not not everything has to like. But that's I think the false or god or maybe the misunderstanding of what Star Wars is. Is that like yeah? Is it called Star Wars? Yes, but how many interesting things happen on the actual spaceship itself? Like you were saying that like oh like we're going to the hotel spaceship. And it's like you get to walk around the bridge, and it's like how yeah, many that spaceship exciting... sucks big time. I, that's fine, but that's not the issue here. Is that like how many interesting things have happened on the bridge of a starship in Star Wars? Okay, well, um, there was that one time where A wing <laughs> crashed through the window, and that was pretty sweet. And I would say that if they would have made some effort to make this uh, gal this Galaxy's Edge hotel bridge look like a star destroyer bridge even like a sequel trilogy star destroyer bridge where they have the little pits with all the dudes working and stuff that would have been a lot more interesting they could have found some way to justify that canonically it would be something that actually looks like star wars that'd be, be a that'd be a start to be fair in the rise of the resistance ride that is a component of it so i i'm not gonna like they do technically do that 
Good. You are you do spend a nice portion of the queue of that ride on a Star Destroyer. Great. That first order. So Star more Destroyer. more evidence that the regular park experience of Galaxy Edge is amazing. And this no, I'm not. I don't, think, I, I don't think anyone's going to argue that the queues to Rise of the Resistance in the Millennium Fal- or Smuggler's Run are lackluster. Those are, if anything, probably the highlights. Like people, I mean, say, it's it's the best line you'll ever stand in. Well, yeah. Like I'm not going to argue that, but like. It's is it a lot of fun to like sit there like at the chess table and take pictures. It depends if you're somebody who's done that a bunch of times already or not. I, I don't, guess. but this is but this is the thing about like like okay, this is goes back to I guess a matter of personal taste. As somebody who grew up at those theme parks again, and like were were the like were the pre-shows fun? Yes. The pre-shows were fun. Like, again, like I said before, like one of my favorite, the, I only went on it once. It was extraterrestrial alien encounter. And you had like Skippy and you see Skippy like get teleported. And he gets like fricasseed in the process. It's a lot of fun. I have a Skippy plush that I bought off eBay like seven years ago for like $8. The thing about it is that like taking pictures while waiting to ride the money and Falcon, Falcon simulator is neat, but like, it breaks the illusion because like we're extraterrestrial alien encounter. You're watching it. The immersion is you are being part of a demonstration for excess tech. And I tell anybody, if you have even a slight interest in Disney theme park stuff, go watch one of the ride, uh, the videos of that ride. It, it, it's not even a fraction of what it was like being there, but like, it's still fun and how novel it was relative to what Disney does today. But like you were immersed in it. You didn't have that illusion breaking thing where you take your cell phone out and you're taking selfies in the booth. That's the thing I just, again, maybe my issue is not even a Disney issue. It's a contemporary culture issue Well, I have. Yeah, but I mean, I was never compelled to take a selfie in the graffiti ridden queue of the king kong ride for example because it's not a i it's not a iconic set with 50 years of but that's the thing though is that like that wasn't a concern back in the day now the like when they're building like the queues and there's anything at the theme parks they're not thinking about like oh is this going to be immersive or not like well is this gonna be a good selfie spot like that's the sort of stuff they think about they will think more about social media moments at these things then they will about, oh, will this be a memory resonating thing? I mean, the, like and that's, you're, and you're probably said, right, but that's, yeah, that's a modern culture thing. That's, more but than, that's my thing, though, yeah. is that, like, we're letting, like, this is the thing about Disney then versus now. And this is somebody who, again, grew up with Disney in the late 90s, early 2000s. Nothing like like Walt Disney era of, like, the 60s. It's that notion of you should be letting the rides dictate the culture, not letting the culture dictate the rides. And that's what frustrates the ever-living daylights out of me, is once again, we're letting the culture shape things as opposed to letting the the art shape things. Okay. It's putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're absolutely right. The problem is when you have a, a queue where people will compulsively take selfies and post them bragging about where they are, it's an irresistible amount of free marketing. And if they're oh, yeah. gonna if I'm they're gonna, gonna build argue. yeah if they're gonna build that to if 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 the lure of that free marketing is gonna cause them to build an interior Millennium Falcon set I'm gonna be looking at that while all the mouth breathers are taking selfies. I I, I guess I I guess um, I would like I said it goes back to what I want out of it and like I said it's selfish to think that my my opinion is the right one. 
but it's the idea that like if you're gonna make a millennium falcon ride i don't care about being able to like sit at the, at the chess table i want a genuinely entertaining faithful to the films millennium falcon experience and smugglers run is not that being able to sit in the chair does not this is not what i think of the millennium falcon i mean you know ne- we've never really seen han like very actively driving the Millennium Falcon from a from a uh, directional standpoint. So I think that it's well. Yes, you do. Empire, the the chase uh, after Hoth, like that. I know, entire... but I'm. But what I mean is, from in terms of actually, um, from in terms of actually piloting the vehicle from a very kinetic standpoint, it's like sort of there's a a, jo- a like a yoke there, but you never really see it interacted with. And the Falcon does all kinds of dynamic stuff, but it's not like he's really playing up acting that he's like flying it in that fashion that's that's fine but this is where when you think about a theme park attraction you get to do the things you didn't get to do in the movies like to this day i think it's the most inexplicable thing that we got a millennium falcon ride where han solo has no role in it right well but the thing is if you're that one out of six who actually gets to pilot it you're having a good day no 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 have you seen how that thing how that thing all you if you're piloting that thing there's two pilots one makes it go up and down. Other makes it go left or right. You don't even have complete control over it. It's like, I, I, you have no idea how many videos I've watched of that ride. I know, but the, and I lose I, my mind every single time. I, I, I hear you, but obviously the problem is most people are idiots and there's going to be a five-year-old kid who gets plopped down in that pilot that, seat that's, and they, that's have to have even, a pa- they have to have a passable experience for the rest of the cabin. Not even, I'm not even talking about that. My issue is not with the person piloting. That's 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 but it's, but it's literally built so that the most incompetent person cannot ruin the day of everyone else in the cabin. That's mm. the point. You read some YouTube comments and come back to me. But that's that's neither here nor there. My thing is, if you're going to make a money in Falcon ride, you know what you do? Chris, did you ever go on the Back to the Future ride at Universal? Absolutely. OK, that replaced the DeLorean with a money in Falcon. Replace Doc Brown with Harrison Ford. So you're just a passenger watching a video and it's like a motion control roller coaster, basically. Basically. And that is a more faithful Millennium Falcon experience than having, oh God, what's his name? Jim Cummings do Honda Onaka. I think that's pretty much what you have though, because it's um because the cockpit is basically that back to the future car in terms of its range of movement. And you're basically you just should... watching a video. But that's the thing though, it's like it's it's a simulator. With a minimal amount of like uh, interaction, and if you're going to have it have the interaction that dialed down, then just make it a simulator that nobody has control over. I think that's, that's, I, the, that's but that's basically what it is. They just don't want you to know that because the actual control elements are so inconsequential because they can't have you ruining the experience for someone who beside you who sat in line for two hours. So but that's I, but then I, don't I, give us in, don't give anybody control. That. It's I would, a veneer. That point, it's a veneer. There's that's no, fine. Then I want. I then I want if it's going to be like on a scale of like involvement, I'm one to ten. And this is like a 1.5, then just take away that 1.5 and give nobody no control. If you're going to have that little involvement, then just take it away. Have Han Solo be like, hey, guys, Chewie and I just got the Falcon. We're at Maz Kanata's. Uh, we lost our other ship, but like we're there and we're going to help you pilot remotely and just do it that way. Be like, Chewie's just installed this new thing into the Falcon. Thanks to Ray's help because Ray, Jaco. Yeah, the problem, like that, is, the problem is they've already had Star Tours for 30 years. That's fine. That's fine. Then make it the Money and Falcon of Star Tours. We have God, you know how many times they've they've copy pasted the simulator? There's body wars. 
Everybody forgets that Epcot Body Wars opened before Star Tours did MGM by like three weeks because like MetLife had it in their contract. Zach, Zach, literally what you're saying is, so we've already got Star Tours. It's 3D. You start Star Tours, but slightly different. We've got Star Tours. It's 3D. We're going to take away the 3D because dummies don't like to wear 3D glasses, even though it's awesome. So we're going to take that away. And um, we're going to add this thin veneer of interactivity because it's been 30 years. And you're saying that too far. Yes. I don't want that. I don't want Hondo and Naka. I want Hans. If I'm going to go to. Okay. Imagine if you went. Imagine if you told Harry Potter fans, you're going like in the flagship ride for the Wizarding World. You're not going to be able to interact with Harry, Ron, Hermione, but instead, like the main character is going to be like Remus Lupin. They would have lost their minds. They would have burned that place to the ground within the first couple months. Yeah, but can't you remember how in Awesome Episode Seven, Han Solo is dead by this point? So, like, how very well they should he- never have done it on the sequel trilogy. Or if they sh- if they did it, they sh- if they would have done it, they should have done it then pre- right before the Force Awakens. Do it on the eve of the Force Awakens. But then I right, can't have Ray about- walking around and hanging out with everybody. Yes, you can because you can blend things. It's the same reason why you have you have a giant at-at walk around. Okay, if that's the case, then Star Tro- Star Tours should have been immediately demolished the moment Galaxy's Edge opened. If that's the case, then there's no universe where C-3PO could be piloting the Star Speeder, what, 1000? It depends and, on, yeah, it depends on the version. And he's at the, and he's at the Battle of Exegol. Yeah, but I mean, R2-D2 Star Tours- is... Star Tours is like obviously non-canonical. Because- you know what? Okay, but this is one of my another one of my favorite Lucas quotes. When they were redoing Star Tours for the second go around, Star Tours: The Adventures Continue, 2011. Yes, 2011. And like the, the Imagineers had like all these ideas for like redos of the ride, and they're like, "Oh, we have this idea, this idea in mind, this in idea in mind," and like they were, and like a lot of these were canon breaking. And when they eventually like pitch them to Lucas, Lucas is just like, well, okay. And they're like, yeah, but Mr. Lucas, this is canon breaking. He's like, so it's fun. And, like, that was it. and that was it. It's the Lucas thing of like, is it fun? Yeah. Then do it. Like, who cares? Like, I think there's, there's root in the fullness of time. By the time, by the time, uh, with your level of engagement with the park, by the time you probably get there, I think there's a there's an opportunity that they will have advanced to that point and realized that the whole placing it on a specific day in canon is probably a bit much. But I think like, this it's, is the it's weird, built but, to get there. It, I, I don't, but that's the weird thing about like Rise of the Resistance, though. Rise of the Resistance as a singular thing is canon breaking because you have it takes place post Last Jedi. You have Ray there in her Last Jedi like second half of the film outfit Finn is there and you have Kylo Ren with the helmet from the force awakens. And I'm just like, so just the helmet is really the problem. The helmet. He shouldn't have the helmet. He should either lose the helmet or he should have the red super glue helmet. Well, you know, they, they, they didn't realize that, uh, JJ was going to decide that he only had one helmet. Okay. If you're, if you're an Imagineer, and you already have the molds for the Kylo Ren helmet. How hard is it to like have one of the people who designed this ride to just put the right accent marks on the helmet? That is the literal like, like I just don't get it. Like, um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, he like here's like I accept that he could have had more than one. It just makes it weird that he glued it back together in episode nine. Um, but we see, but that's the weird thing though. It's like we, like he doesn't have the red super glue helmet until the episode nine gets started. 
Yet, like, the Kylo Ren we see in the ride is the Force Awakens one, because it's the one with the hood and, like, the shredded, like, what, cow? Or not cow, the um, shredded, like, scarf. That is a good point. That that is a good point that they could easily update that. But I think, uh, like, they don't want to signal that they're going to, like, do stuff like that, probably. Because it's just, it's the... Because my... why should they care. though? Why should they though? JJ just like made up a bunch of weird shit over the weekend, and that's episode nine. Like, why are they changing their? Chris, you that? said a bad word. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, you know, but but okay. So there's a beep there somewhere. But I mean, basically, like like the, like there's an attitude with Disney and Lucasfilm that they're actually slightly resentful of how bad Robot ran things. Like this is a real thing. So they're probably just not gonna like put spend money on like weird things I like to, to i like to i like i love how you just said that like the guy who they got involved twice in this they don't like there's literally internal there's people who have like made comments that bad robot like wouldn't let them in the room for a lot of things and they were sort of in the dark about like where it was actually going story-wise like this oh, is I don't just doubt that real things that, that have happened that people have talked about yeah i don't doubt that at all um, like I said, I, I said it's yeah, it, it all is what it is. Like sequel trilogy is there. There's no changing that. It's history now. Galaxy's Edge is easily not going to be refurbished for a decade at the very least. Um, probably oh god, twenty years the absolute earliest. I unless they do it, something with the Mandalorian. I think it's, but I still stand by that it's built to be able to change the era. They need to swap out like three stacks ships that are hanging out in the field and uh, and a well, radar here, okay. dish here's my question to you considering that we got dh mark hamill at the end of the mandalinian season two how long do we go in either until it's the book of boba fett or mandalinian or ahsoka we get digitally de-aged han solo and chewbacca never gonna happen oh 100 gonna happen we already got mark hamill it, that that but everything's canon now and that and young Han Solo is young Harrison Ford is no, no, called no, an Aaron Reich. So what can I, I you mean, do? D- no, what I'm saying is that digitally de-aged Harrison Ford would be post Return of the Jedi, so he'll fit within the continuity of the Mandalorian. That sounds expensive to me. I don't know. No, no, more, no I'm not saying he's gonna be there. I'm not saying he's gonna be the the the, the new baby Yoda and like walk around with him. I'm not saying that. But I mean, like, so like, like you're saying, if they're going to do an overlay for Galaxy's Edge, the, the, the next obvious Star Wars thing that you would do with that would be the Mandalorian. And there's no reason why to think about, like, we already had Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian. There's no reason why we couldn't have Han Solo and Chewbacca, especially in a post-Return of the Jedi like time period. Yeah, I I guess um I guess they like it really depends on legalities at that point like whether they're no, fully... it's, called, it's, it's called how big of a check can you cut Harrison Ford? <laughs> that's what that's what I mean. Like how like are they entitled to do it now or do they need to work? It's out a matter. Of, well, think of, he's still as of right now he's a Lucasfilm employee because of Indiana Jones Five. Yeah, that's that's a whole other can of worms. You know, recently delayed on oh, the yeah. entire uh, year. For, yes, I yeah. Know. I'm still waiting for that film to come out in July of 2019 when they announced it uh, six years ago. You know what's very interesting? Um, 
while I was doing some some interview prep to talk to one uh, Dan Madsen, performer president of the official Star Wars fan club for 15 years, I, I looked up Star Wars Insider number one, which came out in 1994. And the, the opening page of that, they just had rebranded Lucasfilm magazine Star Wars Insider. And this is 94. And on the opening sort of uh, opening introduction to this Star Wars Insider magazine number one by Dan Madsen, he talks about you know, there's even talk that Indiana Jones 4 is coming out soon. <laughs> so so uh, you guys probably want to subscribe and you'll get all the latest on that. That was 94. 14 years. Oh, God, 14 years later. An official Wait. Lucasfilm publication trying to hype up Indy 4 in 94. You know, about, me- Chris, Chris, you want to hear some weird parallels? Think about this. That was in 1994. Crystal Skull will come out in 2008. That's 14 years later. And then 14 years after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, we're going to get Indiana Jones 5. Well, Indiana Jones and the DeLorean of Doom is, I think, the working title. <laughs> um, if you've seen any leaked photos out there. But, you know, they're obviously That's like funny. they're obviously clearly not happy with the direction the story was taking. And, um, you know, much like much like the moment, there's just these moments where you you have to wonder do you guys do you guys not understand the concept of hubris do you not question yourselves whatsoever like it's like the moment when you it's like the moment you had a meeting with jj and lucas and you said by the way lucas we're not using your ideas and he walks out of the meeting like like if if you didn't if your soul wasn't crushed at that moment it should have been when you when Spielberg left Indiana Jones five over creative differences, you know, it's just like, it's like, do you, do you guys really think you can do better without them? Oh, what's that? You delayed the film a year to rewrite the story. That's what I thought. It's not that easy. Yeah. No, no. These are, like I said, I will never ever deny that JJ Abrams is a narcissist. And there's a reason why I think about it. Like, Oh God, rise of Skywalker has been out now for what? Almost two years. And what has J.J. Abrams done in two years? What whispers that he's that he's casting Michael B. Jordan as Superman? He produced a lovely uh, UFO documentary series that just rehashed a bunch of old nonsense everyone's heard of a million times over. Real groundbreaking. That's stuff. that's what I mean. But like again, this goes back to like everything that's currently happening with Lucasfilm. Is that like it's kind of a place that like especially for Disney era is where like careers go to die. Like, think about it. Like, J.J. Abrams is kind of, like, in a weird purgatory right now. Oh, God. Gareth Edwards. I haven't seen him since, like, the Rogue One premiere five years ago. Like, he, God, he's kind of like, what, Jimmy Hoffa at this point. I don't know what stadium he's buried under. Um, you have Ron Howard, who kind of just, at this point, just floats around, does interviews occasionally. Well, hey, hey, hey. No, let's not forget the, the Willow series. Okay. Whenever that decides to come out. Um, they've started promoting it i know i I know and 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 can i make a confession i watched willow for the first time this week and um very pleasantly surprised i thought that was pretty good (laughs) good i'm glad um but that's the whole point though so like really the only star wars filmmaker who has survived star wars has been ryan johnson and he birthed his own franchise out of it with knives out like, think about it. Ryan Johnson, who is responsible for what is, the internet tells me, the most hated thing to ever exist in uh, mankind, is somehow the only director that survived the curse of Disney Star Wars. Think about Benny Benioff and Weiss, Patty Jenkins, 
Colin Trevorrow, like, like we're, we get his rebound is coming out this upcoming summer with Jurassic World 3, The Crimes of Dinosaur World. So that that's the thing. I, I just don't know. Like, I think Lucasfilm is at a point where they just I think they're extremely difficult to work with. Yeah, I mean, like, like there was and and as of I think today, there was a story that um, Patty Jenkins left another project, Methane Cleopatra, to focus on. And the headline is to focus on Wonder Woman 3 and Rogue Squadron when it's like I'm still doubling down like you're never seeing Rogue Squadron. I don't know why people want to trick us that we are. It's never happening. I the only thing I have to, I saw that headline too, and I saw some analysis of of that uh, story. Like you said, the Cleopatra thing she walked away from with uh, Gal Gadot. Um, I could now that that happened and there was such a weird like uh, hullabaloo and pearl clutching over Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron being shelved. I think the idea of her walking away from that or, or that or her being oh god, oh god, mothballed along with that film might have upset the powers that be on a PR level. Um, I, I agree with you. I still think there's like a 75% chance that that film directed by her will never see the light of day, but I could see her still being folded into another star Wars project. Maybe as a producer. Um, I don't know, but I don't, I think it's the same way that like Disney has never canceled the Ryan Johnson trilogy. I think they like keeping these people in their back pocket. They haven't they I mean, they haven't publicly canceled it, but Ron Johnson has made some comments that sort of imply that it's on indefinite ice. Well, that's the same thing that's Rogue Squadron just happened to. I, I, I think these people are kept on the payroll just in case they ever need them. The same thing that happened with JJ after Force Awakens. It's like, OK, like JJ's done, like like he made his movie. Like, thank you, JJ. We, we appreciate everything you did for us, but we're going to keep your name in the Rolodex just in case just in case. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think these people, I think about, I think all these people sign contracts and probably there's one like sentence somewhere that says like, we can do whatever we want, but if we ever need you, you are like, like we have a first look deal with you. Like after your current project is completed, even if it's not something we're currently involved with, I would imagine that like after JJ directed knives out, he probably had to go to Lucas and be like, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you. Ryan Johnson. He said probably had to go to them and be like, okay, like, are we doing this now? Is this going to be my next project? And he probably spent probably like a month, like working with them, just like, not like, like, Oh God, intensively, but something along the lines of like, okay, like like kicking the tires on it. And they probably said, no, nah, we're going to hold off on this for now. And he said, okay, can I start working on my next project? Whatever that may be. They said, okay. I think what it is, it's probably a quasi version of a first look deal in that like, we get you for your next project unless we decide to go in a different direction for the time being. And I think that's what it is. And I think they probably signed Patty Jenkins to a similar deal in that like, okay, we want to make Rogue Squadron. And there's probably some clause in the contract that says like after a year, if this thing isn't like in pre-production or in production, I'm allowed to go work on another project. And I think that's what happened with Patty Jenkins. So I think Patty Jenkins always wanted to do Wonder Woman 3 first before Rogue Squadron. And I think her walking away or, or segueing into an exclusive producer deal or for that, for Cleopatra, means she's probably going to work now 100% on Wonder Woman. And then once that's done, she'll go back to Disney and be like, okay, are we going to work on this now? 
I guess I still, I don't think Patty Jenkins or Ryan Johnson have been dismissed. I think they're just not the focal point right now. Well, I think Luke, Ryan, Ryan Johnson didn't get a lovely promo video of himself getting an X-Wing uniform. So maybe they're slightly slightly more embarrassed about canceling a project where they made a promo video like that. They're going to move hundreds of millions of dollars to save themselves from the embarrassment of that video turning out to be a canceled project. Yeah. No, like I said, I, I think Lucasfilm has a lot of problems. Um, I think they don't they, they don't have any I think they're it's funny, Marvel I think is currently in the same throw is about to be in the same throws that Lucasfilm is. Like Marvel for a decade had trajectory and it was like infinity gauntlet. Now Marvel's thing is like, well, multiverse question mark. And I think that's like I said, I, I think they're trying to figure out what their new goal is. Um Star Wars in 2012 had a goal. It was called sequel trilogy. And then now the sequel trilogy is over. It's like, well, what do we do now? Like, do we do another trilogy? Do we do one-off films? Um, Clearly the plan was like, it's supposed to be every other year of trilogy film, spinoff, trilogy film, spinoff, trilogy film. And then Solo pretty much blew that up. And now Star Wars has become exclusively a streaming service property for the foreseeable future which it's different. It's not what I would do, but it's different. Well, you know, you know, they've, um, in, in, in the last, uh, nine years, they've probably, uh, created five times the amount of star Wars content that there was before that something on that order. Sure. If you, if oh, you count no. the TV you, shows. Sure. You can't argue that they haven't worked hard. Like, like there, there is uh Oh God. How, how many millions of man hours have been poured into this stuff? So no, I'm not gonna say. Yeah, well, it's just they're human. I'm not. I'm not gonna say that they're that they they don't deserve uh, some forgiveness. Um, It's just it feels like there are some easily avoidable hurdles that they walk into repeatedly, just because, like you say, it's the hubris. It's that we're Disney, we're Lucasfilm, we know what's best, and it's like, well, yeah, you are Lucasfilm and Disney, but like maybe sometimes just take a step back and look at your options before you just kind of like run run headfirst into something. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's an important thing to point out, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Star Wars fans who forget that these, the, these new properties are made by humans, and as such, you can evaluate them with a critical lens, because they are made by people who sometimes uh, have great ideas, and sometimes have shockingly poor ideas, and it's not, you know, it's not written by a joseph smith or anybody credible like that so you you have you can take it all with a grain of salt and people forget that sometimes yeah now i guess the like i said because like we're kind of wrapping this up but uh the last thing too is that like all these star wars projects that we're talking about have all been greenlit by bob Iger. like we're now in the bob chapak era of things um yes kathleen kennedy is still at the head but you do have a new um Oh God, uh, CEO, and they, I think they just and now that Bob Iger's leaving in the next couple of months for good from uh, being chairman of the board. There's a new chairman of the board. I think her name is Susan Arnold. I could be wrong, and uh, she's a hugely successful. Like she she ran Procter and Gamble for how many years? Um, she was involved with an investment fund at one point. Um, like like you have all new management that's going to be greenlighting things now. So it's going to be interesting. 
Like it really is. Like we are now, we are on the uh, precipice of a new era of Star Wars. A, a the old era is partially gone. Yes, Kathleen Kennedy is there, but her higher ups have now changed. Even Alan Horn, who to this day I still think is the villain of the uh, botching of a lot of the Star Wars films in the Disney era, because he basically had more control over it than maybe anybody else in the company directly. Um, so yeah, like I said, I, I think it's gonna be interesting. I think there's gonna be a lot of uh, new uh, people in charge, which is good at least in, is definitively good in one lens because it's new creative energy for better or worse. Yeah, completely agree. You might call it a a Disney Star Wars phase two, but it's more than that. There's actually a bigger turnover than that. So uh, you know, I'm I I try to remain optimistic about it. Um, I, I still think, uh, galaxy's edge will be awesome when I finally get there. Like call me a heretic, man. But, uh, it's, you know, um, I, I, and we talked about it last, uh, last episode, but like, I, I, I really still believe that there's a underlying narrative to the book of Boba Fett that we know nothing about that has a, at least 50, 50 shot of being interesting. So I am looking forward to that. I just wish they would actually try selling that just like again, Star Wars resting on its laurels. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if we're following their previous patterns with the Mandalorian trailers, hopefully the trailer they showed, which was rather lackluster in my opinion, has very little to say about the sort of arc of the season. So I'm I'm just hoping there's something something deeper there. And uh that's just around the corner at this point, a couple weeks away. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. All righty, Joe, you've been very quiet. Any other, uh, th- any thoughts on this? Any, any uh, you want to summarize it or? Well, Patty Jenkins is going to do, um, instead of Rogue Squadron, she's going to do Rouge Squadron. And it's going to be about a bunch of cabaret dancers at the Star, Star, Star Wars Suite Cantina. And they all hop into X-Wings and save the day. Um, oh, God. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be a the Star- Outlander Club, Joe. Yeah, well, they sit there from the burlesque show. They they hop into X wings. They go into action. Well, I'm pretty sure if you say the word burlesque at like a Disney like Imagineering event, like you would just be like immediately just like it'd be like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Like it'd be Donald Sutherland and just going. Okay, you yeah. you uh you just you just sorry to interrupt. You just tied into something that also happened yesterday that we should probably bring out. Um, Donald any, Sutherland. Anyone anyone who's uh following the uh the uh the Haslab Rancor Black Series project. Oh, uh, you might, you, uh, so, you know, a lot Chris, of- please explain, Chris, can you please give like a five minute breakdown of like the, uh, oh God, the tumultuous history of the Haslab Rancor? Okay. So basically, you know, um, at, uh, I think it was, it might've been San Diego Comic-Con like three years ago. They, they had this a mock-up like prototype of this Black Series six inch scale Rancor at one of their Hasbro displays, you know, it's probably like 17, 18 inches tall rank rancor toy when you really boil it down. And um, they put it into this Haslab uh, pipeline, like the same way we got the barge and the Razor Crest uh, in the last couple of years, which were by all accounts, far more interesting products according to the fan community. So this rancor has really been struggling to meet its minimum limit of uh, minimum required number of backers, which is nine thousand at three hundred and fifty dollars US, which is a, it's a bit of a tall order for what the product is because you know right now you have stuff like the Jurassic World line where you can get a 
big freaking dinosaur for like 50 bucks that's not all that different than what this is from a value standpoint so it's very strange to to see that it's cost this much so you got this expensive rancor that sort of looks slightly bigger than the three and three quarter rancors we've got in the past and and they've been adding these bonus tiers which up till the up till lately they've been basically reissues of older figures maybe they had a newly sculpted luke jedi but we've already got a very nice luke jedi in the black series so it's sort of redundant to have a newly sculpted version already it was a gamorian guard which already came out a couple years ago stuff like that so when hasbro recently you know we're in we're in the last maybe i think we're in we're within we're talking like eight hours till this thing wraps as we record this and uh it's not gonna make it and um to nine thousand, it's at like six thousand or something and um at, at, at last last week they announced listen guys we see we're messing up here thanks for helping us shape this product in real time exact quote that last sentence we're gonna add malakili the rancor keeper here's a picture of him crying because we haven't done any work on this figure yet but you know what if it makes nine thousand, we'll throw in a loose malakili for you um and you know there was this uh there was this uh started by yakface.com there was this a meme going around saying no Ula, no Mula. And uh, a lot of people were resharing that. And um, it was just interesting to see uh, yesterday that um, uh, what's his name? Steve Evans, who was the Star Wars design director from 2014 to 2018, commented that basically there's no way you're going to get a Ula figure because it's 2021, if I'm summarizing what he said. So we've learned that it's impossible for uh, Hasbro to make an Ula figure of any scale in 2021. And you won't be getting that with your Rancor, which is fine because the Rancor is not going to fund anyway by it, unless a miracle happens. And um, I don't find it particularly interesting either way, so I won't, won't be backing it on the hope that it does. Yeah. The 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 Haslab Rancor we talked about that what like a couple months ago, um, I find it like if you're going to do a Haslab for the Black Series, one of the oh god least engaging choices. I get it; it's original trilogy fodder, but I think we talked about it like months ago. Like like one of the coolest like Star Wars like creature figures is the like Force Unleashed Rancor. And it's like, like pause, I, pause for one second. I'm currently staring at a sealed one. Okay, continue. <laughs> That's what I mean, though. Is that like for what this thing costs, you can buy one of those off eBay for less, right? Yeah, I got mine at the Cincinnati Toy Show two years ago for 150. And that's it's that's perfectly sealed. That's what I mean. So like it's like you can you can get something that's infinitely, oh god, more perfected and is in the same scale you've been collecting for 20 plus years, or you can get the thing where it's like, it's not much. Yeah. It's they're really like, you have to be a diehard, like Jedi has like um, Hasbro black series fan to even consider this. And let's, and let's also point out that the, uh, the force unleashed rancor you're talking about was reissued as the regular return of the Jedi rancor in a black series box in the three and three quarter scale as a Toys R Us exclusive, maybe five years ago. And it sat on shelves and went to clearance. Yeah. That's what I mean. So like, this was, this always just felt like another, like Luke, again, Lucasfilm Hasbro resting on its laurels, which is also Lucasfilm because Lucasfilm had to approve this. 
So once again, it just feels like, okay, like the Star Wars fans are stupid. They'll buy it again. It's slapping the logo on something. Yeah, but not this time. Hopefully, like I'll be mad if we record this and post it and it did get funded in the next couple hours. I don't see that. happen. I find that very unlikely. But yeah, you know what? What so. probably would have made it would be would have been an ATST and it would have been taller and probably less plastic. So like, you know, call me next time, guys. What really? You think that would like a black series ATST would would have uh, sold? You think? I I absolutely do because it doesn't look like a lump of brown plastic and like it's an imperial thing. Like people love their imperial vehicles. Like I it, I think it's an, it would have been no brainer. Maybe you couldn't charge three fifty for it, but I think that would have been, been a much a safer bet. That. And a lot that, more than that. Well, I think it's material wise, it's probably comparable uh, in terms of the actual amount of plastic. Um, but but uh at least that you know it's still from return of the jedi and by the time this releases we'll be getting close to the 40th anniversary of that film it would have been a good call i think that would have been a better call than the rancor is there i I don't i can't think of another like black series has lab level thing that would be like worthwhile well most of the atst is stick like legs so like if you think about the six inch scale version of the actual cockpit of that thing it's quite manageable size wise and that probably would have been a good choice well, like the whole point of the Haslab project is supposed to be like so mind blowing. How could you not like? It's the Kickstarter thing where it's like, wow, this is such a revolutionary concept or or product. There's no way it could get made unless we did it this way. Like that's what made the Razor Crest such like a barn burner of a success, like backer wise, because like it was like even though the thing gets bloated up it's still such a cool looking ship and just, it has all these features that like for $350, that's how much that was, right? 350. I believe so. Um, yeah. It was and, and cheaper like, than the barge. Yeah. It was like, and then you have all these other features, like part of it. Um, I'm sorry. All these different tiers of like add-ons. It was like, wow. Like, even to this day, like kind of, like, you know, like I, everybody knows I'm not the biggest like Mandalorian fan and the ship does get bloated up. It's still like one of those things where I kind of regret not like backing it. Like Same. what was that? And that's when we're on like, yeah, that's real. Like, even though like, like there's so much value there, it was, all, and that's what I think got to such an insane level. Cause like everyone's like, wow, this is a phenomenal value. It's a cool design. They put a lot of effort into it. And that's the thing about for the same price, the Rancor was like it, that level of ingenuity and value wasn't there. Um, and I can't think of something else like, and plus the Razor Crest had that novelty level to it because like it was a new ship. And, and plus, guess what? Mandalorian season two was in progress while that campaign was happening, right? Yeah, but I mean, like I like you know, like that's a that's a great looking toy. I got the has no talent one because I've was well, as a constellation prize because I kind of felt like I, I kind of regretted not backing the Haslab one. But uh, you know, um, anybody who talks about the fact that it got destroyed really kills me because like. It's just like you're so missing the point. Like everything gets destroyed at some point in Star Wars. Like even Han Solo got like sadly murdered by his son. And 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 the Razor Crest has more screen time than the Millennium Falcon. So like people need to stop talking about the fact that it got blown up. Like during it, it's bad timing that it got blown up during the Lab campaign for it, which I'm pretty sure it was within days of it ending or something. It got blown up, which is that's funny, and they probably shouldn't have done, timed it that way, but but it's a ship that got blown up. Like it still had a lot of iconic moments on screen. So it's totally worth picking that up uh, for all those who did. And f- as far as I'm concerned. But like, that's, that's the point I'm trying to get at though. Is it like in all honesty, it like, Oh God, like, could you do a section scale slave one? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sorry. 
a six inch scale Boba Fett star. I don't, I don't think you could because the vintage collection one, as large as it is, is probably half the size that it actually would be. Okay. So like, I mean, you could do, maybe you could do one on the same scale as the vintage collection one, but I mean, that, that, uh, that revolving living room we see in Mandalorian season two is not fitting inside that vintage collection one. All right. Fair enough. I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to think what's something that you could do from like the book of Boba Fett is like a Haslap other than slave one, at least theoretically. Yeah. Hopefully the trailer was all from the first couple episodes and we just don't know yet. And there's a cool, interesting new design because, uh, you know, the, the, um, the razor crest is like, that's like, like say what you will about like modern star Wars. Like that's, that's a damn iconic spaceship design. And I think Doug Chang had a hand in it. And it's one of those ships that like, you just look at the silhouette of it and you, uh, you know what you're looking at right away. So I think they're capable of putting out that kind of stuff. And we might be surprised by something new and interesting, uh, from the book of Boba Fett. And hopefully there is, people obviously aren't feeling this rancor and um, hopefully I'm not eating my words and it didn't get backed. And the most interesting thing about it, the whole HasLab rancor from my perspective is that Ula is canceled. <laughs> that is, I, if, if there is anything we get from this is like a fandom slash collecting culture. It is that uh, little tweet or comment, whoever it was. Yeah, and I mean, it's he's no longer on the pro, on the Star Wars project, so it's like, is it an official statement? Is it not? But he's saying, yeah, not going to happen. Interesting. So, yeah, I know it's uh, it's another part of the weird oddities of uh, contemporary Lucasfilm and toy making. Chris, is there a reason why we don't have any like Boba Fett like figure from the book? Like, there's no like wave of Boba Fett. Um, sorry, book of Boba Fett figures coming out, like in in like in release with. The TV show. I mean, there sort of is. Um, like you have Funko? like you have a black series, uh, Fennec Shand, and yeah, but that's all um, like man. That's Mandalorian season two stuff. I mean, like, I mean, stuff it's the from same the cost. Above. It's the same costume though for her. Well, at it's, least. it's gonna be. It's gonna be for the first episode at least. I mean, to be honest, she was wearing the same thing in the Bad Batch twenty years earlier, so I don't think she changes clothes <laughs> fair, that much. Fair, fair enough. But is there a reason why we don't have like a like a Boba Fett like rearmor version or even him with like the Cobb Vanth armor? I think the re I think the real reason and we I think there was a Mayfex one announced maybe. Um, but I think the real reason with Hasbro is that um they've just been laying it on thick with with original trilogy style Boba Fett's lately. Like let's just look at the last in the last six months you have a Black Series Deluxe Return of the Jedi Boba Fett a black series uh droids boba fett that's coming out any day now and uh three and three quarter return of the jedi boba fett and a droids three and three quarter return of the jedi boba fett and a retro collection boba fett not long before that so i think they're just i think it's just like that stuff still hanging out on shelves at least the this black series return of the jedi fed is and in, in my area they have like Toys R Us, for example, has, and I'm sure Target has tons of those. They're sitting right beside Jar Jar. They have so many. They made so many Boba Fett figures, they can't sell them. So I think that's part of the reason with Hasbro. Chris, I have a question for you. If someone would have told you five years ago that there'd be a, a Boba Fett TV show on the Disney streaming service, and at the time of its launch debut, there wouldn't be any merchandise specifically for the show 
but there will be a Boba Fett droids figure in two different scales. And well, and, you, a ret- and a Return of the Jedi one in two different scales, to be fair. But would yeah. you believe would you believe that? Uh, it's yeah, I, well, you know, I, I forgot that they did show a Mandalorian season two Boba Fett for the retro collection. So they have that one tiny almost book of Boba Fett figure there. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's kind of shocking, but it's also like, what do we, how, um, how much info is Hasbro getting? Do we believe them when they said stuff like we saw Luke Skywalker in the Force Awakens the same time you guys did for some characters? I think maybe they are kept in the dark to that degree. It's, it's hard to say, but there's no, there's no, the pro it's, I think it's really comes down to the fact that there's like four Boba Fett figures available from Hasbro, like currently. Maybe they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it also comes down to, to Grogu. You know, look at Mandalorian season one. There wasn't any Grogu stuff that came out beforehand either. They didn't yeah. want to ruin it. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, and I mean, but I've heard but like like I think I said before, like I've heard there was um, guys who work at General Giant in in, uh, in California said they had a good look at Grogu 18 months before that episode premiered. So uh, it's it's hard to like that that would tell you that it's uh the release of that product is a scheduled thing they're more worried about prod product leaks in china than they are about uh design crews and the states leaking stuff um but 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 yeah there's just uh maybe they didn't know the droids thing's kind of weird that's sort of part of the lucasfilm 50th anniversary celebration which is also kind of weird because like most of us learned the year Lucasfilm was founded because of that Hasbro campaign, I think, because they it was like 71 or something, right? So, like, there's not a whole lot of interesting stuff going back that far that we might want to know about. So, it's a little bit of a reach celebrating that anniversary, in my opinion. But uh, that's why... Chris, do you think right. for the 50th anniversary of THX 1138, we'll get Robert Duvall figures? And yes. Donald Pleasance. And Donald Pleasance. Reaction. Yeah, you react. might get. Yeah, you might. Th- then again, though, that would be Disney giving a license to reaction, which I don't think they have yet. So that'd be new. But that seems like a more likely candidate. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe the like the like the uh, what this the um, mechanical policeman? Because that'd be cool. Like, that'd, actually, in all honesty, that would be a really cool figure. Like the like like the uh, what the cyborg policeman? Yeah, in the bike. Like, that'd be a great like seven. Like that would be a great has lab. Be like like a hundred a hundred and twenty dollars. You get the figure and you get like the motorbike. I'd be like that would be one where I, I wouldn't be able to put my money down fast enough. It's like a fifty. Like if they continue this like fiftieth anniversary trend, not just for Lucasfilm, but just for like all of its properties, like doing that as exclusively a Haslab thing. You get like the like with the little baton. That'd be fun. Considering that we haven't got a six-inch scale Indiana Jones, so I don't see that THX happening. No, it has a HasLab. As a HasLab, it has a minimum like 5,000 backers. I think um, anything less than like 250 US is not worth their time as far as HasLab really? is concerned. Well, has there been anything lower than that? And I, it only I'm, goes I'm, in one direction. I'm, I'm just spitballing. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. No, I want that, some THX. I want to, okay. I'm just I want known because like Chris is my fellow collector here, and so is Joe. But just Chris is more like I would say almost like like fanatical like zealot level. For years, all I did was just complain about like all I wanted was a Jeepers Creepers figure of the Creeper, 
And like, I know NECA forever. And it's weird how like, I remember still following NECA religiously, like in college and a lot of the stuff they told us like back in like 2014 would never happen is finally happening. But like, I see that they did a Mego figure for the creeper and I'm just like, you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy. So anything is possible. Yeah. I mean, there's something almost funnier about it being a Mego figure and, um, and you know, I don't like, uh, I was very, I saw a Mego figure. I was so tempted by, I had, didn't buy it, but they, they made a Mego figure of like Caesar from conquest of the planet of the apes. And he's just got like an, a, like green jumpsuit and an M16. It's like a monkey with M16. And like, it's beautiful as a Mego figure. I kind of regret not buying it. Cause I haven't seen it since then, but hilarious. They're doing something right over there. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's like, it's funny how like a lot of these other toy, like license, um, toy manufacturers, are having a lot of fun. Like in, like there's obviously NECA. There's what Mayfax. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of other companies that are doing some fun things. And I also think there's a very real possibility too that um, that Luke. I think I could see Disney doing its own lines of figures, maybe and trying to pull it from Hasbro. I could see that. I could see Disney pull it pulling the exclusivity of the scale from Luke uh, from Hasbro. Well, I mean, Not- I've read. Everybody forgets so quickly about the Disney Elite series that is basically non-existent anymore. Well, that was diecast metal. Yeah, somebody who had the Force Awakens like like collection of those, those things were extremely fragile. Like, oh god, poor Ray. Like, oh god, got dismembered. Finn like lost the leg. Um, That that entire series that they tried, I'll give them credit. Like, Force Awakens was the last time like a Star Wars like property got a proper like merchandise line. Yeah, even I mean, that was lackluster to time well, relative to like the prequels. But for the elite series, they did do a a good chunk for Last Jedi and Rogue One, but it sort of trailed off after that, and until and into like weird one offs. Like I think the last one was a Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary probe droid. Uh, that's the last thing they did in that yeah. line. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they tried that, and I think they'd probably look at that as a failure because I remember those were retailing for like. 30 canadian and i swear like half the time they were on clearance for five dollars well yeah that's what eventually happened like like there was the initial rush around was it force friday in 2015 and then like like then they did it for like world one and crater yeah i don't i I think they probably would superficially look that uh look at that as a lesson and not try again for a while oh yeah definitely um but like i said I, i give credit where credit is due uh, but one last thing before we wrap this up, I want Chris to know that, like, as of when we're recording this, there is less than three hours left for the Black Series Rancor, and it's at 7,000 backers. Make a wow. prediction now, Chris. Do you think it, I, I think it's going to get there. I think, I think, it, 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 I think it's going to barely get there. It has less, has a little less than three hours, about like two hours and like 45 minutes. I think it gets there. I, I think just, there's, there's going to be a lot of fear of missing out. And we know how fanatical Star Wars collectors are. I think it gets there, but just like literally, I would say it gets there in the last 15 minutes. I just don't know at this point whether I trust that we're actually getting a transparent view of real backers because like this is a like a sort of poorly kept secret with the barge is that like Kevin Foggy bought like hundreds. Oh, really? This is like Kevin Foggy owns like something like hundreds of barges in a warehouse to get it like he was worried that it wasn't going to make it and he bought a ton 
So like, I don't know if it's like, this is, uh, you know, these are the things you hear. So like, maybe he's Wait, gives them that, out as, with birthday is that, cards. Is that like actual like news or is that something like you heard because like your connections? Um, I mean, a simple Google search could do it, but okay. I heard it through connections. No, I mean, maybe, maybe you can't just find that information out there, but this is, this is what I've got on good authority is that Kevin Foggy owns more than dozens of barges. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you never really know somebody like a, a, a white knight, like Kevin Foggy could come in last minute, but I just don't see that level of passion existing in the community for the, for the black series rancor. And this is coming from someone who owns two rancors. You know, I got, I got my, my vintage Kenner 1983 rancor in the box behind me and that lovely force awakens one. And I just, I'm not excited or interested in this one. So, um, I like, I, but when you say 7,000, I think we're really at a coin toss moment at this point it's closer than i would have thought it was gonna it's gone up a thousand since i last looked at it and that was like i feel like that was yesterday so i'm my confidence is shattered that it's not going to make it i'm still gonna vote on that side because i think it's basically 50 50 at this point i i think it's gonna happen i think i think it's gonna happen but it's gonna be a nail biter joe what do you think they're gonna make it a nail biter and that's what they're gonna do joe's not wrong that's what I think they're going to do. They're going to, they're going to hype it up. So, Oh, it almost didn't happen. Oh, better get, better get it quick. Or they're going to sit there and say, we're going to need more. Uh, we're going to need more, more people back in it before we can release it. The next one they do. You know, what's interesting is that uh, alongside uh, um, Steve Evans comment that Ula is not going to happen. He also said, don't expect it to be extended which is because people are a lot of people are complaining that, Oh, it's that holiday times. I had to buy my stupid ghostbusters backpack as well. <laughs> Excuse me. I, like, obviously you have no, like it, like the rent car is like lame, but like, for God's sake, a ghostbusters backpack, like those are, you see those at every convention you go to prioritize people. But, um, you know, there's, um, uh, he said, he basically told this, this Instagram thread that, an extension is not going to happen, which I think they've done for the Transformers one. So it's just weird that that was just off the table from the start. Well, Transformers is also their brand. Yeah, but but I mean, you'd think extending the campaign wouldn't be like the rules for that wouldn't be different depending on the brand. That's interesting. It's, it's an in-house brand versus a license. I think that's probably what it came down to. I would imagine Lucasfilm probably has more control over this than 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 like something Transformers, where it's they can do whatever they want. I wouldn't be surprised if Lucasfilm tells them like yes or no on certain things. Right, and and you know, and and they included, of course, in in the in the uh, novelty pile of bones that are on one of the tiers that's never going to make it. You have a, a skull of Ula, as if some somebody had the wise idea that. Oh, if we include Sula's skull as if it had been eaten and shat out by the Rancor already, people won't be mad that they're not getting her. I mean, it has a more innocent thought ever occurred in a human being's mind. I'm not sure. It all depends. Does it, when it, it does its waste, is it more like a, a dog or an owl? Well, the other thing I was really bummed out by is like, look, Ulus got a very normal skull. And it's like, I thought the Leku were supposed to be like part of the brain. Like, so shouldn't there be like openings up there? It's like, <laughs> it's like when they put that hammerhead skeleton in the, in the sail barge, it's like, that guy's supposed to be like basically a mushroom. Like he shouldn't have like a standard, like 
humanoid skeleton but like you know we're splitting hairs at this point but this is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night like is it is it like a like bear scat or is it like an owl pellet <laughs> it's just bones because it's uh sanitized for no one to ask questions about whether or not it has been digested or not all righty on that note so conclude this episode of the knights of vader a star wars podcast Check out the Facebook group if you are inclined to join in on our shenanigan conversations and all sorts of Star Wars memes. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. If you're interested in hearing more from me, go listen to the Cinemodities podcast where we are talking The Matrix this month. We're talking about The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions along with Jupiter Ascending. And at some point next month, we will talk about Resurrections. So if you want to hear more about that and hear Rob just talk for four hours about what happens after Revolutions in the MMORPG, we have something for you. But when you're not listening to the Cinemalities podcast, Chris Porteous, please tell us about the KOV podcast Instagram account and where people can find you in your spare time. Yeah, if you want to stay up to date on uh, our episode releases and some generally fun Star Wars imagery, you can follow KOV podcast on Instagram. And uh, we, we just past 300 followers which is completely organic and no nonsense involved so that's that's good stuff right there so i appreciate that those of you who did follow over there and uh, let's keep that going and you can also find me at the chris porteous on instagram fun fact i am the white knight of the kob podcast i bought the 297 uh instagram followers it'll be our little secret audience well you could have spent a little more if you did i spent three i spent 30 dollars per follower chris Jeez. <laughs> Joe Yazo, what are you up to? Right now, I'm, I'm currently trying to put a poll question up on the Knights of Vader Facebook page. Um, scat or pellets for the Rancor digestive system. So I hate, I hate my life. That, hopefully, we can make that One, canon. Two, three, so, have a good night, everybody. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, on that note, it's a high note. Uh, good night, but not goodbye. And as always, may the force be with you.